This episode brought to you by the following patrons Shining Donut 911, Nathan, Jennifer with a PH, Joey, Sneaky Snake, Wes, Dreskel, Kaylee, Aaron, Danielle, the number Jeff, Amy, Tia, Matthew, Dave, Jonathan, Scott, Kate, Isaac, Karoon, and Nick B. And all the patrons want you to know you're loved, you're listened to, and you're a valuable member of this awesome horror virgin community. And if you want to hang out with us, please do so in our Facebook group and Discord servers where we hang out and chat daily. Is it just me, or did it seem like that chick from Mighty Ducks really just wanted Stuart Townsend to suck on her titty? I'm pretty sure that's what it was, because it's the only place he bites her. I she, know. like, arches her neck back and then just, like, pops a titty up. If I was a vampire... You would exclusively bite titties? <laughs> yeah. I would be motorbocula. <laughs> uh, no, no, no! You would be what my husband referred to this movie as, which was Count Racula. <laughs> anyway, thank you for tuning into Horror Virgin. I'm Paige. I'm Mikey, and I'm your Horror Virgin, Todd. Which means I don't like scary movies, but you guys make me watch them. And this week, Paige made us watch Queen, Queen of the Damned. Okay, now you might be asking yourself, like, why the fuck did I make you watch this movie? Do you want me to explain? Because everybody dresses like Todd. <laughs> oh, they do, though. Specifically Todd at this time. Yeah, a sea of layers and leather pants in this movie. Yeah, no joke. I looked a lot like Stuart Townsend looks in this movie when I was on stage. You wish you looked the way Stuart Townsend looked in this movie. <laughs> I mean, I I mean, I could show you the pictures, Paige. No, I'm good. I don't, I'm okay. <laughs> I mean, I'm not as handsome as he was, but leather pants. I mean, like that sort of aesthetic is how I looked on stage shirtless so, i mean you mean you had the same clothes as stuart <laughs> or lack thereof on stage yes yeah yeah. yeah 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 i hate this movie so much yeah this movie <laughs> is terrible so i watched it i think before the the rest of you did and i was like you did you watched it like a day before yeah, yeah. i was like this is terrible Aaliyah is not in this enough she's not and then i was like the movie's ending and she hasn't even been in it and Paige is like i thought she's in it for like 40 minutes and i was like is this not the fucking end of the movie and then I paused it, and there was 40 more minutes of the movie, because I thought the, the concert I, you, was I like, thought the concert was the end, too, and I was like, what the fuck was I remembering? And then the rest of the movie happens. Yeah. Literally, all I remember is like the first two scenes, the concert, and the end. And I was like, I, I blacked out, I think, in the middle. <laughs> Oh, like there's too much of his corn voice. I, who? Okay, you got to tell me now. It is the guy from Corn, by the it's way. It's the guy from no. Corn, right? Okay. Yes. Yeah, it is the guy from Corn. This movie soundtrack is like a who's who of music I hated at this time. Oh, this mo- this movie soundtrack is like, what are we gonna listen to to amp up before soccer practice? Woo! Yeah. So like, <laughs> I don't want to spoil it, but I will get to it in fun facts. But the voice you are hearing in the film is the guy from Corn. We'll leave it at that. We'll discuss it further in fun facts. Yeah. That's what I thought because. He like first off the fact that a vampire wakes up because of rock music after being asleep for a hundred years. He's like, I will only wake up to become a rock star, and that's immediately what he does. Right, and then he speaks, and it's the voice of the corn guy. And the little girl's like, "That's a beautiful voice." I was like, "What is happening?" <laughs> and to add another layer on that, I've read the Anne Rice books, so I have that layer of anger too. Oh, because I feel like the person who wrote this, at least movie, doesn't understand vampires. Like they suck titties, not necks. They can walk outside <laughs> in the daylight. 
Like what? Well, what is happening? She's the first vampire. I don't want to get into she's, that. that th- that's this is the thing in True Blood as well with the original vampire. Like the original vampire could walk in the daylight? Yes. What? Yes. That's the dumbest shit I've ever heard in my life. You haven't read the book. It's a commonality through multiple vampire narratives. It is not just a, a this narrative thing. That is common. That's wild. Okay. I mean, that's fair. I don't know shit yeah. about shit. So that, that makes sense. But So... Why did we pick this movie? A, it, it is Black Women of Horror Month. But number one, we have not done any Anne Rice on this show. No. We've not done the original Interview with the Vampire? We didn't do, you guys have not done Interview that nope. I know of. But Interview is also not really a horror movie. Interview is a drama. Because vampire movies are terrible. They're not, <laughs> but they're also not necessarily <laughs> traditional horror movies. Is what I would say. Yeah. I'd say there's a lot better vampire dramas than vampire horrors, if that makes sense. Yeah, it makes sense to me. Yeah. I like vampires in my like vaguely pornish serial t- television shows. <laughs> that is where I like my vampires. I, I am more of a Charlene Harris than an Anne Rice person. I have read Interview. And what I think she really excels at with vampires in general is creating narratives around vampires that humanize them in a way that we can relate to their emotional center. But that's not what I want out of my vampires. <laughs> so I'm not, I mean, she's hit or miss for me. I recognize the interview is great. I've read interview and apparently I had read queen of the damned as I found out earlier today. Uh, Cause I texted you guys about it where Mike yeah. and I had been texting back and forth about the books and I was like, I know I've read Interview and like one other one. And I don't remember which other one I read. And so then today I was like, I'm going to go to my bookshelf and just see what other one I have. Because that's clearly the other one I read. And it was <laughs> Queen of the Damned. And I was like. She sent us the picture. I can attest to the fact that it was. I was like, yeah. oh, I don't remember any of this. I read them a long time ago. So I don't remember everything. Well, I'll explain a little bit in fun facts. Because this is actually a combination of the Vampire Lestat, which is book two. Queen of the Damned, which is book three. So like, and, and Anne Rice is furious about it. We will go over it in fun facts. The Interview of the Vampire is her first book. Lestat is clearly the villain of the book. Absolutely. But he turns out to be the most popular character. So she pulls a fast one, writes the second book where she like retcons the first book yep. where he's the hero. Where like yeah. oh, all the evil shit he did is because he was like upset. So like all the emo music, <laughs> yeah, he was yeah. going through shit. You just don't even know, guys. Yeah. I'm not even kidding you. And then, but what's weird about it is, I don't remember him going to sleep and then waking up to do rock music. I thought he was just alive the whole time, but I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I have no memory of it. I'm not rereading those books. I'm not. I know. <laughs> I read four of them. She creates a cool history, which leads to this cool Queen of the Cam character, Queen of the Dam. And here's the thing. I don't even, I don't super like Anne Rice's books, but Interview is a great book. Like, and it's a good movie. So like, I'll give her credit for that. It's kind of like Stephen King, where it's like, I don't like every Stephen King novel, but every once in a while, he really fucking strikes gold. But then sometimes he writes Maximum Overdrive. And like, what are you going to do? But do you know who really loved Anne Rice's books was Aaliyah. So she actually was offered a number of roles at the time, turned almost all of them down. Wow. Okay. And a bunch of other people were offered this role. A lot of other people auditioned. She fought for this role. This was like her, like, if you want to think of like all the stories about Henry Cavill fighting to be the Witcher, that's what she did. She campaigned 
for this movie. She wanted it so bad. <laughs> and it was because she liked the books. I feel so bad for her. <laughs> I know. I know. I know. Uh, she specifically liked the books, but not just Anne Rice books. She was a huge fan of just horror books in general. It was just something that like no one talks about a lot, I guess, until like after. Uh, but she was super into it and, and knew the books, knew the character, wanted to do it, fought to do it. She passes away right after she had finished principal photography. So they had finished oh. all of her shots, but she had not finished any of her ADR. Oh, no. And so they bring her brother in to do her ADR and then modulate his voice. Oh, wow. That's actually a really good idea. Okay, cool. Yeah. With, like, this sounds terrible, but like, if, God forbid, me or my sister dies, you could probably double our voices for the other one fairly yeah. easily with some tweaking. Yeah. But that's what they did. And we'll talk about it uh, a little bit because I have a note on when specifically it happens in the movie because I actually caught it on Amazon where you can hit pause and it shows you like who is in the scene, both vocally and like present. Yeah. So I caught the scene the first time they do it. But so this was kind of like, this was her passion project. She wanted to make this movie and then it tragically ends up being her last one. In her defense, she is the coolest character in this movie she, she is, is yeah by far the coolest character in this movie but the bar is set so low so low and it's almost like this movie's almost like a reverse of interview the vampire because interview the vampire tom cruise knocked it out of the park with lestat he was like the, he's a cool villain they offered him this movie and he turned it down well <laughs> yeah surprise, good call surprise. Yeah. absolutely <laughs> so did a bunch of other people by the way i'm sure like, this movie's terrible yeah. It is terrible. And, and I feel terrible because I know Aaliyah wanted it to be great. And I know that she loved it. And so that makes me feel worse. But I also am really here for someone being passionate about a horror property and fighting to get it made. And this movie gets remembered long after it would. Like if she had not passed away, this movie would have gotten terrible reviews and faded into history. But because of the timing, because it's dedicated to her, because she dies literally right after finishing it. This movie gets like ensconced in pop culture, even though it's bad, which I find really, really interesting. Yeah. I cannot wait to talk about box office because of that. And I have some things that tie into that. It's very interesting. I don't think I saw it in theaters, but I rented it like right after. Like I saw it very soon. Oh my God. After it happened. So what, were you, what was your first impression of it then? Because I saw it for the first time today, like just now, and I'm still <laughs> mad about it. <laughs> I, I did not like it the first time. Really? Imagine that. Really? Imagine that. <laughs> but, but here's the thing, and I guess cre credit to past me, I watched it and I, I remembered thinking, something's not right here. Like... It's like we're missing scenes and we're missing huge chunks. Like, it doesn't make any sense. It's not, it's, it's both got too much information and too little information all mm. at the same time. They've kind of misplaced where their information is. I don't really understand the relationships between a lot of these characters. I don't understand their motivations or why they're doing what they're doing. Right. And so in my mind, I thought they must have fucked up the source material where I'm like, I'm pretty sure Anne Rice wouldn't be as famous as she was because I had already read interview at this point. Uh, she wouldn't be as famous as she was 
if her book was this shitty. <laughs> and so I went and read the book. And I'm here to tell you, I have no memory of what happens in that book. This was so long ago. But I remember thinking the book was better. Anyway, so to answer your question from earlier, Todd, True Blood also has this same narrative at one point. It is multiple seasons in. So if you are planning on watching through True Blood and you haven't already earmuffs on, spoiler alert, uh, it's season, I believe, five. It's either five or six where we meet the vampire council. Christopher Maloney from Law and Order SVU is like the vampire governor and he walks around naked all the time. Stabler's in True Blood? Dude, Stabler's in True Blood and he screams Fuck, like, I gotta watch True Blood now. He goes full like pulsing head veins screaming at people. It's great. He sucks their blood until they're dun dun. <laughs> so in True Blood's version of this kind of narrative, in their version, the original vampire is Lilith of the apocryphal biblical texts. Yeah, Adam's first wife. Adam's first wife. Right. And she then becomes a vampire to be immortal. Now, often what you will find in vampire lore is a mixture of the creature of like a succubus being the original female vampire. But it's actually pretty common to hear about like an original female vampire whose blood can help people walk in the day and like drive people crazy because like just like a woman <laughs> you drink her blood and you can walk in the day but it's kind of like being high and so it's almost kind of like a drug thing and it's kind of addictive because all they want is to be mortal again and it kind of makes them feel that way but that's where you get narratives that are kind of like uh jennifer's body which is specifically a succubus not a vampire but you get some bleeding into those kind of myths with the original lady vampire lore. But that's okay. one that is a few different places. Yeah, I've never heard of that. But I also don't watch like horror stuff and I've never watched all of True Blood. So like I've watched God, the first watched season True of True Blood, Blood and I was like, this show is terrible. I'm not watching any no, more of this. No, it's fucking awesome, dude. Natalie made me start watching it. And she's like, now just like while we're watching it, like just make fun of it. It's funny. They're very yes. bad. It's yes. a very badly done show that is also awesome because of how badly it's yes. done but it also knows that it's doing it badly and that's why i love it one of my best friends in the world was a lawyer for sony at the time true blood mm -hmm. came out and yep. hbo reached out to him to negotiate the rights for that opening song because the opening song is done by a sony artist and they yep. were so sure that it was not going to get past the, the pilot phase. They only paid for it for the first, I think it was six episodes. And then yep. my buddy screwed HBO and got that artist a shitload of money when they realized yeah. that they had a hit on their hands. Well, and that theme song is so fucking good. Holy shit. That's one of those ones where predating that skip intro feature, like when that theme song would hit and the show would come on, loved it. Let's just put it this way. That guy has never had another song that went nearly as big as of that one. Of course not. And, and he probably he has a fucking ranch. To. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> My buddy got him a lot of money. Anyway, that's like a yeah. long ass tangent about True Blood. And we're here to talk about Queen of the Damned. Let's touch on uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula. Oh, okay, sure. So Bram Stoker's Dracula, the book, introduces a mythology that says if you can kill the main vampire, you can heal anyone 
who's been bit by a vampire. Oh, yeah. That's what, you can like turn them back into a human, I guess. Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I've heard that, too. This movie doesn't have that. True Blood doesn't have that. But what kind of manifests after that is the idea of killing a main vampire has repercussions through everything. Uh, almost like a bleeding out of power or a bleeding out of energy back into the world and into remaining vampires, kind of Highlander style. Interesting. Okay, so there's sort of a quickening effect? Yeah, a little bit. One of the things that True Blood does really well is figuring out how to represent a lot of weird vampire things in very mundane day-to-day ways. Uh So like the idea of how people find out about vampires and it's more like them coming out and it's kind of more of a political social thing, I think is a really interesting concept in the way they handle it. But what we learn more in like later seasons of True Blood is vampires can't reproduce, but they are always being killed. Like people are staking vampires. Some vampires choose to end their own lives because they're tired of living for eternity. Yeah. And so in order to that, they need to replenish their ranks so they don't die out. So they're often required to make new vampires, but it's often a one-to-one relationship, at least for a time, until a vampire kind of goes out on their own, almost like an apprenticeship. In some lores, like if you kill a more powerful vampire and suck all their blood, like you get all their powers. So that's like if you murdered your upline, you got all their money. Oh, right. we should absolutely do Yeah. Uh, In True Blood, if you drink a vampire's blood, they can A, find out where you are at all times because their blood is in you. So it's like they're connected to your blood, but also it will prompt you to have positive dreams about them, like sensual dreams about them. And they can use that to their advantage. So like... Oh, I got something that people drink that makes them have sensual dreams about me. Is it Gek? That's gross. (laughs) Anyway, this is a lot of talk about vampires, but just to explain... Some of the lore that we see in this movie. We get it, Paige. You had vampires on your like trapper keeper or whatever. Like, what's the next thing? We're <laughs> That's you, what you couldn't see of that photo I sent earlier today is that it's a whole shelf of just vampires because I have my books arranged by topic. And so in that photo, you have Bram Stoker's Dracula, Anne Rice interviewing the Queen of the Damned, and then Charlene Harris, who wrote True Blood. So, like, it's a whole vampire shelf. I can just picture Paige with like her Lisa Frank trapper keeper that had like <laughs> Lestat doodles on it. Mom, don't come in. I'm reading vampires. No. Uh, most of the vampire stuff came out after I graduated. The like, interview was like mid 90s, right? Like that was, yeah. I was a kid ass And Rice was out, but like I wasn't super into it. And then Twilight really kicked off like the new vampire wave. And I was right. almost in college at that point and I wasn't reading that. So it was a lot more of like after college reading like non-Twilight vampire shit. Okay, let's get into this because I... I <clears throat> yeah, let's get into the movie page. Let's do this. Let's power through this turd. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we open on Stone Eyes. It's a statue of Aaliyah. Yeah. And those are your credits for like way too long. It's terrible. And then we open on a voiceover from Stuart Townsend who's basically just like, Eternity is so sad. So I decided to die until I could come. I could become a rock star. And you're just like, oh, fucking whatever. I do love that he just like sleeps, I guess, until he hears 
shitty rock music and then he's like oh okay rock music is at a point that literally anybody can do it so i'm gonna come in and do it now yeah i was i had forgotten that this was like this happened during new metal i was like no this movie happened during a time when rock music was fully dying like it was it was done like new metal ushered in the end of rock and roll i think you mean the undead of it Anyway, so he emerges and we get like a montage of like new metal shit. And one of them is just a close up on a nipple ring. Yes, I, I can't. I like, what? Why did this stay so long on the nipple ring? There's two things in this movie I can't deal with. One, the rock montages that just look like any early 2000s rock video. Yep. Yes. Hated it. Hated it. And two, anytime he drank Aaliyah's blood yeah. and it went into like also early 2000s like soap opera like montages. Oh, well, those are the ones that she had to ADR that they didn't have her ADR. Her her brother had to ADR those scenes. Those are specifically some of the ones where he they used her brother. Oh, where like they're like flashing into different things? Yep. yep. Mm-hmm. I didn't even remember hearing a voice. I just remember being like, this is lame. No, <laughs> a lot of them don't have a voice at all. It's just like a close-up of a face in the dark and then like a cross in a field and, and then like, a fire yeah or like screaming or like one word yeah yeah, yeah yeah it's so dumb it was like live journal come to life the thing that i couldn't wrap my head around through most of this movie is like if you have not read all of the books this movie doesn't make much sense and i was like they really nailed down their target audience of like goth kids who were reading Anne rice at the time And like, that's who they were clearly going after. But yeah, it's, it's a lot. And they, the music scenes in this go on way too long. Yeah. Where you're just like, if you don't like new metal, don't watch this movie. No, it is terrible. You'll end up sitting through a lot of it. It is wall to wall, disturbed and stained. And if you can't... You mean ball to the ball to bang to bang? Yeah, I was going to say, I was like, do you mean wall to the wall to bang to bang, dig it, dig Kid Rock was before this, actually. Not much before, though. Kid Rock was 90s, like late 90s. No. Yeah, Devil Without a Cause, the big one that he had yeah. was 98. Mm. So he basically, and it's all voiceover of him being like, that led me to the instrument of my resurrection playing in my old house. And he just like shows up to a terrible house band's rehearsal. Wait, he goes to his old house in New Orleans and that band is just like squatting in his old house, right? Yeah, I think he like was buried in the backyard, it seemed like. No, he was buried in that very famous (laughs) cemetery in New Orleans because it shows shots of it. Yeah, they're like above ground because the water line or whatever, the water table. Anyway, I've actually been on a bunch of cemetery tours in new orleans they're really cool i actually got to see uh yeah nicholas cage's pyramid the one he bought because he had a vision yeah, yeah. there's a whole story about that yeah or a psychic told him to i think like it was that. a psychic yeah. that told him to and his movie <laughs> career has started to tank the like the year after he bought that he like was well, in a bunch of the, flops but <laughs> once he like finished it he had his comeback Uh-oh. so like that's the weird thing about it is when he started building it and it wasn't complete yet everything was flopping and then once yeah. he finished it he had his like recent the comeback. nick cage assance yeah yeah, 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 right. yeah i mean yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm happy for him i love nicholas cage so like i'm not gonna get mad about that but he <laughs> shows up to his old house that is abandoned yeah but they still have power for some reason and there's yeah. a band <laughs> playing there that's wild yeah. i mean if you're gonna get hung up on that in this movie i mean yeah, that that's is the fair. least of yeah. my worries when he's that's like i'm a vampire i'm gonna become a rock musician and give you everything you all have ever wanted 
These are lines from the movie. I know. Oh, yeah. These are exact quotes. Yeah, for a second I thought Stuart Townsend was on the Zoom call was with here. us. Uh, I think they thought this was going to look super cool, but he like perches on the like monitor, like their their feedback monitors for the band. And he's just like, with like fangs out. And I was like, this is the dumbest shit I've ever seen. And I could not stop laughing at it. I was just like, what is happening? And I was like, did this man get buried in leather pants? Yeah, in 1785 or whenever the fuck he buried himself. <laughs> oh, no, much later because he turns Louis in 1791. Okay. So, like, he lives for yeah. a while and then gets buried later. But This movie is not even in canon. Whatever. I mean, but he was asleep 100 years ago, you know, when they still had leather pants. Oh, wait, don't we see him strangle somebody before he goes or strangling feet on somebody before he goes? Don't, yeah. don't explain the movie. Does he? Is that where he gets the leather pants he takes that man's pants you mean like a terminator scenario give me your pants if you want to rock (laughs) (laughs) speaking from personal experience never wear another man's leather pants just don't wear leather pants in general (laughs) mikey i've never seen you look more disgusted and you've said way grosser shit on this podcast that's an easier way to get a yeast infection wearing somebody else's leather pants because they'd be musty and it'd be gross nothing more rock and roll than a yeast infection (laughs) (laughs) all right play me some corn next scene yeah That may have well has been what he did when he walked into the band and they were like, oh, you have an amazing Uh, voice. Like, uh, no, you don't. You uh, sound like an idiot. uh, I'm with Paige. He's like, he's sitting there. And I'm like, man. Yeah. This movie's fucking terrible. <laughs> For a second, I closed my eyes and I thought that it was the orgy scene from Midsummer. Like, I had no idea <laughs> why he sounded that way. And then I expected the band to be like, <laughs> you sound like shit. Get the fuck out. <laughs> Get out. And he's up there just like, oh. <laughs> Keep singing. <laughs> and then she bottles it up in a shell. <laughs> He traded his shirt for immortality. (laughs) (laughs) But the band is like, oh my God, I've never heard a voice so angelic because I've never used my ears before. And then he like (laughs) joins the band or whatever, takes over the band. I don't even even know the... He takes over the band. Yeah. He like Axl Rose is this band. He can like hypnotize people and that's what he's doing the whole time. He glamoured them. Oh, he just glamoured the band. That makes sense. Yeah, Mm. I get that. Glamours the world with his voice. I do feel like the band members are actual like musicians because they can't act for shit. And I loved it. Like when the drummer like ran up, he like stopped playing and like ran up to everybody else and he gets there and he's like, What are you doing here? Yeah. That that was his line delivery. It was terrible. I was like, oh my God. I am a drummer who also can't act. So I I feel seen in this moment. Although I don't have nipple rings, so my favorite is when he just goes, You are all so beautiful. And then she like touches him and she's like, Your hands are cold. And he just starts floating. (laughs) And he's like, Everything you dreamed, I will make yours. That is a line from this movie. Yeah. And I could not stop laughing. I was like, I forgot how he became a rock star. For some reason, in my mind, the movie opened with him already being a rock star. <laughs> that would have worked better. Like a yada yada would have been better. Than oh, show yada ass. yada yada. I've been around forever and now I'm a rock star. Don't worry about it. Anyway, then we get more credits and the credits are over him singing songs about being a vampire because they're like corn ass songs about like, I'm eating you. And you're just like, I can't, I can't with this. (laughs) 
I feel like even people who like corn are like, this is a step too far. Oh, I will say corn is way better than this. I don't, I'm not a huge corn yeah. fan, but corn is way better than this music. Yeah, I mean, when you put it on the grill with butter or like oh. pop it at the movie theater. Or just buy it off the street. What are we talking about? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah. A little bit of mayo, a little bit of chili sauce, a little bit of cheese. The only kind of corn I want close to me. I do feel like they made the corn guy like sing, like sing too much. Like he's like, I'm a vampire. And I'm like, that corn yeah. voice doesn't sound weird doing like full verses like this. Yeah, well, especially because it's like taking over the world, come out into the light. And you're just like, why are we like, why have to hear the whole song? Like, just say he's a rock star. I believe you. You don't need to make me a fan. How much did corn get paid? Did they write the music to this movie? Yes, they did. Oh. And we, we have to talk about it in fun facts. They were this close to being Nine Inch Nails. Like, no, they like- got fucked on this movie and we will talk about it is it because they wrote terrible songs for it no i would have loved it if trent reznor and nine inch nails did the soundtrack for this because that's actually like industrial rock to me in my humble opinion is way better than new metal like way better. i dislike both but like that's just me okay but hear me out girl with the dragon tattoo but only corn music no no that would be terrible <laughs> that'd be terrible pop a tattoo I do like that Mikey, when he does it, he sounds more like like Louis Armstrong. He's like, <laughs> wop, bop, loo, bop, wop, bam, boom, instead of boom, bop, boom, bop, boom, It's all terrible. <laughs> no, they, they kind of, they get screwed. But here's the thing. Like, do I greatly dislike most of the music in this movie? Yes. It Does it fit for what they were trying to do? Absolutely. Does this soundtrack go on to sell ass loads of soundtracks? Yes. What? Absolutely. But it does not end up being corn on the soundtrack, and we will talk about why later. Oh, that's hilarious. Oh, yeah. I, I did like the Deftones, uh, that, that song that, that would change the House of Flies or whatever. What is that song, Todd? Oh, I don't want to talk about how much I hate the Deftones. This basically is Hot Topic the movie. Yes. <laughs> Down with the sickness is what I'm thinking of. Oh, that's Disturbed, yeah. That's the ooh Yeah, okay. The yeah. fact that that song was in this movie, I was just like, That's Yeesh. the song where they're setting up the big concert. I That's know. the song that starts that scene. I was like, oh man, this is terrible. Now, if you like this kind of music, this is like- The movie for you, yeah. This is the playlist of that is your, if that is your thing. I have a handful of friends who would super be into this, the playlist of this movie, I'm sure. My husband was saying that he remembers the soundtrack coming out and like listening to it with friends. So like, I get it if this is your kind of music. If it's not your kind of music and you're not in for a, a new metal experience, it's a lot of new metal in this movie, man. It's yeah. a lot. And it's really in your face. I actually, so I watched this movie with subtitles and I like learned to hate subtitles because of the lyrics to the songs. They oh, would put them up are in terrible. the subtitles and I was like, these lyrics are fucking trash man like it's hilarious <laughs> they're just bad they're just bad it's the whole vibe of like performative obsession with death does that make sense yes like which was very popular at the time i get it this is a movie that is definitely indicative of its time yes um but definitely. boy does it get exhausting <laughs> so we cut to basically a press conference where 
the Vampire Lestat, which is now the name of that band. <laughs> like, fuck the rest of the band. It's now the Vampire Lestat. I thought it was like a Lestat was like the front man. Yeah. And then like the band actually had a name. Sort of like when we did uh, on Romancing the Pod, the, um, what musical was that that I made you guys do? Rock of Ages. He does look like Rock of Ages Tom Cruise. Like Stacey Jacks. Yeah, yeah. So I thought it was like Stacey Jacks, where like the band actually had a name, but it was like Stacey Jacks was like the big, the big bill, if that makes sense. Like Springsteen. Like when you go yeah. see Springsteen. And the East street band yeah anyway so at the press conference Lestat's not there he's communicating via video I'm assuming because this press conference is during the day and it's just bullshit it's him like yeah uh it's a concert in Death Valley I want all the vampires to come out and I'm just like this is dumb it's like (laughs) when a band names their fans a certain thing and like in my Mm. mind Lestat was talking to like the fans of him he was referring to them as vampires like that's what I thought in this moment I was like yeah okay you're inviting all your fans out the one thing that really drove me crazy about this scene is he is looking down the barrel of a camera that is then being projected on TV screens behind the band that is doing a very like normal type press conference thing right right and he is looking down at the reporters like he is like looking at them as he's talking right like how is he even seeing her he would have no frame of reference where to look he is looking at a camera in a back room like that drove me insane here's what i hated about this scene the most is that (laughs) i'm gonna go next in the (laughs) (laughs) i have one more thing though we'll circle around and then mikey will go and then i'll talk about what else i hated about this scene everyone in the world of this scene the world of this movie It's asking him questions as if he's a real ass vampire and everyone has kind of just accepted that. And in what world, knowing the way that our world exists, right? would somebody be like, I'm an actual vampire and I can prove it and we don't just like immediately murder it? I know, right? Run in fear. I got three (laughs) words for you, Paige. The Undertaker. He is undead (laughs) and everybody plays along with it. <laughs> I want to see The Undertaker versus Lestat in Hell on a Cell. <laughs> he was dead in the WWF. Oh my god. That was his whole gimmick. He was Lestat, but like a wrestler. <laughs> this is something that like when True Blood tackles it, they tackle it a little bit better because people are scared of them, like really scared. Right. And the idea that that wouldn't be the case and that people are just like, what's it like being a vampire? Is it quirky? Ooh, <laughs> is and the fact that they believe he's a real vampire and not just like a Marilyn Manson type character to me is crazy it is crazy yeah I think if you're gonna lean into something stupid go all the way my (laughs) most hated part of the scene is the woman holding the sign that just says suck me Lestat (laughs) (laughs) oh contraire that was one of my favorite parts I actually have that tattooed on my body so the part of the movie uh, right across my titty where his mouth would go (laughs) my right titty the one that's not over my heart why did they do that in this movie it's ridiculous the thing I hated about this scene was when they're asking the band questions and someone's like how would you describe your music and the lady goes sex blood and rock and roll I'm like I fucking hate everything about this I hate it so much Whoever wrote this script is an asshole and I hate them. (laughs) Except shit like this actually did kill rock music. Answers like that. I know. How do you you feel about that? 
How do I feel about new metal destroying rock music as a genre? Very sad. Sex, blood, rock and roll, baby. Oh, Sex, God. Sex, blood, and rock and roll. Get down with the sickness. Wah! I saw some <laughs> of the best bands of my life come up around the same time my band did and get signed like we did and then just get one album and then tank because new metal was like the thing and a bunch of us were playing like Foo Fighters type rock right and no one was playing that on the radio at the time so like bands like Silver Tide had like amazing amazing albums and no one bought it it's like oh it's so sad I'm very bitter about new metal I am just now realizing this Mikey, I, I will send you $120 after this episode. You're welcome. <laughs> was, this a, was there a bet? No, but that's his rate for therapy. Oh, okay. <laughs> I just had a breakthrough that I, I activated hate new something metal in so him. much because that's the reason my band eventually got dropped because no one wanted music that was like hard to make. They wanted music mm. that was like screaming and very like performative douchebaggery. Like podcast. <laughs> you are not wrong. But unlike new metal, podcasting is a dying medium. Yeah. I think new metal's dead. No, new metal's still around. Everyone loves it. Everyone thinks it's the best, right? No, 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 they don't. What? Although it is who still around. That? It's still around. Oh, I was I, I dated many a dude who liked new metal. You had to. It was like the early 2000s. No, no, no. But like this was like as an adult, if, if you want to like a shouldery white guy, they're going to listen to some Creed and you just kind of have to deal with it. <laughs> Are you ready? Here? Are you ready here for me to come? <laughs> That's a Creed song. Creed is not sexually transmitted. <laughs> I don't have sexually transmitted Creed. I want you two to be proud of me for keeping up during a music discussion. Mikey, we're all very proud of you. My brain yep. just keeps going. The, it's not like you to say sorry. Was waiting on a different oh, story. That but that's stained, not Creed. No, that's Nickelback. Is that Nickelback? Yeah. Oh, thank God. I don't have sexually transmitted Nickelback either. <laughs> I've avoided all of the sexually transmitted shitty music taste. So anyway, I don't really remember what happens from this point on until the concert. So we have like an hour of movie. Because <laughs> we keep getting bogged down in the fucking new metal discussions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. No more new metal. We're, we're tying a ribbon on it. Mikey, I wish there was no more new metal in this movie. <laughs> anyway, so he announces the concert. Then we cut to his like estate, which is in Glastonbury, which is where like a huge music festival is. And so I'm just like, why wouldn't you just have a concert? there like because they're having the concert in death valley page it's called death valley it's not a great place to have a concert it's coachella it's, that's not coachella it is it's a fang festival yes yeah, <laughs> honestly this festival that they have in this movie had about as many dead bodies at the end of it as the fire festival that's true <laughs> <laughs> I, I caught Mikey like mid cough and I thought he died. I legit was like, oh my God, is he choking on something? Anyway, we cut to his estate and his assistant is bringing him two girls and they're like, I hear he keeps girls in the cellar and like feeds them, but then like, you know, bites their net. Like they think they're going to be like kept groupies. Yes. And he just straight murders them. Like he climbed, he, they end up crawling on the floor and then he crawls up the wall and then onto the ceiling and then just like belly flops onto them onto. Okay. So this whole room is like tile and then he's got rugs. So he like 
bites them on the rug the one thing you'd have to clean i'm like at least if you had done it on the tile you could have just like power washed that shit i love how your note for this scene is don't bite someone on a rug and in this scene these girls walk up and they're like i hear he has to like feed on you but like it'll be fine and like it's cool i've done weirder things I'm like, no, you haven't. I don't know what you've done. <laughs> well, but what if she has? I want I want to know what she's done that's weirder. She's like, I did butt stuff with a werewolf once. <laughs> You're just like, whoa. He asked if I was into it, and I was like, I like, can do that for you. <laughs> she pegged a werewolf? <laughs> yeah. She held the tail up, just went to town. <laughs> yeah, it was a full moon. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I take it back. Those ladies have done weirder things. Okay, yeah, that's absolutely. fair. The, you know that movie, The Shape of Water? It's about her. <laughs> <laughs> I once got Frankenstein off by like twisting his bolts, you know? Oh, yeah, he's yeah, really yeah. He's into, real bolt into bolt play. play. <laughs> <laughs> Mummy Shibari. That was an easy one. <laughs> anyway, he bites and kills them on a rug, which then his assistant is going to have to destroy and clean. Did they die, die? Or they yes. Just- I'm assuming they're dying because he told his his assistant that he didn't need to take them home. Yeah, his assistant was like, do you want me to take them home when you're done? And he's like, no, I'll take care of them. He doesn't even say, like, I'll make sure they get home. Like, he's going to take care of them. Wanky blanky. Wanky blanky. As in he's going to light it on fire. That's what take care of it means, right? Yeah. It's the worst. Yeah. Uh, So then we cut to Jesse, who's a character we've never met, not really introduced. We don't know much about her. (laughs) <laughs> and it's basically like I was an orphan and it makes me sad and now I'm a, I'm an adult and you're like who the fuck are you and why are you in this movie? <laughs> yeah, I honestly was a little pissed that she never acknowledges that she was on an amazing youth hockey team. <laughs> yeah, she's like they had to they put me in a foster home. That foster home put me on the Mighty Ducks. Exactly. And then yeah, she's the girl here. from Mighty Ducks. Yeah. So, she sees Lestat on MTV News and she's like taking notes and then she goes the next day to the Center for Paranormal Studies in London and has like a real stern meeting with people where they're like, look, we know Lestat's a real vampire, but we can't get too close. And you're just like, what the fuck is this shit? Okay, in the book, they're not like London's paranormal researchers. They're like a secret society. That's what I kind of gathered. Whose job it is to observe vampires. They're like historians with like a secret mission. Yeah. That's what I got out of the movie, honestly. Like, that's what I thought they were in the movie. Well, it it opens with, like, London's, like, a Ghostbusters-esque task force. (laughs) Well, and the movie just starts calling them by that secret society name. It doesn't explain what they are, what they do, who they are. Telemaskers. The the telemaskers or whatever. And that Alpert guy is a huge character in the books, but less so in the movie. Well, and it's one of those things where it's like, I guess if you read the book, you'd know it. But in the movie, at no point do they explain what they are. You kind of just have to context clues it. And maybe you're right, maybe you're wrong. It's just real bad storytelling. Yeah. As far as the movie goes. Yeah. And they they never interfere. They just observe for some reason. It was like their code. Which they give her shit about because she takes photos of that like club or whatever that she like tells them. Yeah, the Admiral's Arms. Yeah, yeah. She tells them that she found it based upon the lyrics of one of Lestat's songs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She violates the prime directive. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, So she gives a presentation on that club. They tell her not to go and she's just like, "Mm, I want to go though. And they're like, 
And he's like, come into my office. And he shows her a bunch of paintings that seem to all have the same person in them. And he's like, this is a vampire. We know he's been around since 400 BC. It's the closest we've come to the original. And he's Lestat's maker. And we have Lestat's journal. And he just lets her read it. And from this moment on, it's like 45 minutes of just Lestat journal of like how he's turned all of the people he's killed. Yeah. And there's a part of me that's like, dude, True Blood covered the same amount of shit in 10 minutes. <laughs> like 45 <laughs> minutes of this movie. Like It's intense. Because yeah. in an interview with the vampire, he's like, I was made randomly in my... Per, like it changes like it retcons his whole origin story because yeah. he tells Lewis a whole different story about how he got made because she yeah. didn't know it was going to be a franchise. But from this point on, she is like straight up horny for Lestat, which I don't understand. <laughs> they don't establish any reason for that. It's weird. I mean, other than he's like a new metal douche rock star, like I don't see any reason why you should be into him. Yeah, I don't know. But essentially, the story of Lestat's making is. Marius, the guy in the paintings, makes him, takes him to a, a Mediterranean palace that's kind of like off the grid. And they live together there for a time. He kind of teaches him how to feed on people. He encounters a girl who plays the violin and he plays with her, but unfortunately reveals himself to be a vampire, has to kill her. <laughs> it makes him very sad. That whole scene is insane. It's not insane. He like pulled a devil, went down to Georgia. I know. Yes, that's what I'm he, saying. It's so he, crazy, he, Mikey. Like it's two people playing violins by a campfire. And then he comes up and just has a violin. Was there one sitting there? Like, I don't even know how he got it. Yeah, there was one sitting there. But why? I don't know why you'd have an extra violin sitting there if you're yeah. already playing one and the other guy already has one. Well, that's a, the violins come in once a year to lay their eggs and then when they hatch they, <laughs> they fall back into the ocean <laughs> there's just like lucy violins on the beach you've never seen yeah, that page it's a lucy it's a lucy violin <laughs> anyway so lestat picks up lucy and starts playing it like like literally devil went down to georgia style like super fast super crazy and then his eyes blink yellow for like two seconds and then the male who was also on the beach with the the woman is like run and then they both die yeah uh, they both die. They have to burn them. But he keeps that violin, which does have a cool neck to it. But <laughs> it's probably worth a shitload of money too. like old school violins go for a shitload of money, like a Stradivarius yeah. or whatever they're called. Like they're like crazy expensive. So he is not enjoying being a vampire because he he doesn't really get to go outside or be human or anything anymore. And so he's playing the violin to make himself feel better. He drops the bow it clatters under a cabinet. Hang on, hang on. No, he does not drop the bow. He's like yeah, playing and then it gets like yanked out of his hand, although there's no one there to yank it. And like the vampire's out painting like, I don't know, the night. Well, <laughs> painting the sea allegedly at night, but clearly shot during the day and color correct. Yes. Just like dead snow. It's yeah. so terrible. Anyway, so like the bow that was clearly pulled on a fishing wire under yeah. like a, I don't know, nightstand. Credenza. Oh, is it a credenza? Okay. He pulls the credenza and he sees like this little, little like lever on the floor that he like molests and then it pops up yeah. and he pulls it out or whatever it opens a secret passage he pushes its button slow yeah. slow fast yeah. he finds a secret passage and he finds the statues of the world's oldest vampires it's fine yeah <laughs> He goes downstairs to the statue it's so room. so crazy. Yeah, and, and he plays for the statues. Okay, but like, why? Why would he go play for the statues, Paige? He is a moody little kid. He's grounded. Yeah, <laughs> but also, I don't think you should be looking for logic in this film or this story. Yeah, if you have a secret passage, why is it bigger than your whole house? 
Like, if you're hiding statues, do you need to keep the torches burning all the time? Yeah. <laughs> it's just crazy to me that Lestat would be like, oh, go down to the secret passage. I'm definitely bringing my violin and bow. And then when I find two random ass statues, I'm going to be like, you know what these statues want? A soul to steal. <laughs> but the song that he plays for the statues is not the greatest song in the world. It's just a tribute. Exactly. <laughs> so the statue seems to move and turn her arm over and he sees veins in the statue so he kisses the hand and then bites the stone and drinks from the veins and this is where we get the first montage of like her speaking egyptian and like flashes of scenes yeah and this is where if you pause it on amazon this is one of the first places where you'll see rashad houghton tagged in the credits that's her brother that's her brother okay yeah so the statue puts its hand back down and Lestat hears Marius's footsteps and Marius is like, what the fuck have you done? You ate the whole thing of pot brownies? Dude, <laughs> like that's the equivalent of what it is. He's like, you ate so much of that crazy blood. You got to stay upstairs. And he like chains him to the bed. And this was something that I remembered from seeing this movie the first time is when He's like Stuart Townsend has a real weird way of saying more, but he's just like, Mah. oh, you mean like what I sound like at Texas Day Brazil? Yeah, or whenever you try to say the word moon. Yeah, we'll hear that more in the patrioticals today, I'm sure. Anyway, so he wakes up and everything is gone, including the statues. And essentially, Marius has ditched him. Because just like my father, Marius He went out left. for statues and never came back. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, so that seems to be the end of the journal. And I was like, oh, so this journal was conveniently just the story we needed for the plot. And we just sat through 45 minutes of it. Great. Awesome. At the end of it, we should have heard like a voiceover from Lestat like. And that's yeah, the and journal. And that's the journal. <laughs> Don't worry, though. I'll return for my next one when I can find another leather-bound creepy book. Till then. <laughs> bye! Spoiler, this book is bound in skin. So in the books, I think <laughs> Marius is like the oldest vampire known, and that's why Lestat's so strong or whatever, and then he gets stronger mm -hmm. drinking her blood, which sets up the interview of the vampire, like, why he's special. So he like, he can't find other vampires usually, so he like goes and makes his own or whatever. It's, uh, it's fucking stupid. Whatever. <laughs> cool, 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 cool. So... Okay. She then decides, she's like, well, now I'm definitely going to that secret vampire club. And so she goes and it's like a less fun version of Fangtasia, which is the, the vampire yes. club in True Blood, where Fangtasia is a party and a half. It's just like strippers, fun music crazy drinks and this there's is a just, scars guard in the house oh and he's on a throne and people yeah. give him lap dances dude fantasia's the fucking best <laughs> they i i think it was season three or season four they did a pop-up fantasia on sunset nice hell yeah fantasia forever so she walks it she does what i did at costco before i had a membership where you just wait for another family to go in and then you just step close to them and hope they look enough like you and you just walked in <laughs> so she walks in and she's seeing people like feed and she's freaking out and i'm like what'd you expect to see it's a vampire bar yeah. like how ugh. did you not expect this exact thing right yeah what are you thinking and people immediately are like where are your bite marks and she's just like oh you haven't seen the rest of me and they're like can we though we're, we're hungry <laughs> like, hello you're like a chicken nugget and we're like waiting in the line at mcdonald's like <laughs> what's going on yeah uh and she claims that marius is 
the one who essentially owns her, who right. feeds on her. And what she doesn't know is Lestat's there in the bar conveniently, overhears and follows her outside, as do the rest of the vampires. He kind of dispatches them pretty quickly. He fights them in really bad, almost Matrix. The vampire fighting in this movie is so terrible. I would rather take the piggyback rides from Twilight than the vampire <laughs> fighting in this movie. I would have rather these characters rock, paper, scissors to death than what <laughs> in this film. It's the karate kick of a killer, Bella! <laughs> like, just... But like... It's got that effect where it's like frame by frame is slowed down or whatever. Yeah. And it's like an yeah. echo effect with a visual echo effect. It's so terrible. It's terrible. At the concert when they're just like the vampires fly past the stage and I'm like, yes. Are you not even good vampires? Like you just like totally missed. All these vampires just learned how to fly today. Right? I was like, <laughs> all I want to say is I don't know why they came through the crowd at all. It's a fucking desert, which means that they could have approached from any side. Could have gotten him backstage before he even went on stage. Also, you know the worst place for a vampire to be? The open desert. A desert. <laughs> when the sun comes up, you're fucked. What are we doing? Yeah. Anyway, so Lestat kind of chases her after he fights off the other people. And he's like, so you know Marius? And she's like, well, I know about Marius. I don't like <laughs> actually know Marius. <laughs> And reveals that she's one of that secret society. Yeah. But she wants to know more and kind of wants to know about him. Yeah, she's horny for Lestat. She's horny for Lestat. Yeah. And tells him where the journal is. But he refuses to bite her. And she asks him about the violin. And he, like, knocks her down, but then goes back to his house and looks at the violin. And he's just like... <laughs> I still got it. And like, what is this? What is even happening in this movie? Yeah, I don't. I don't understand the the foreplay here. I don't know. To me, it was like a serial killer who's like caressing his trophies. You know, it was that sort yeah. of thing. This is my collection of locks of hair that I've cut off of strangers. <laughs> <laughs> like, Paige, do you have random people's hair bound in Ziploc bags? No, I do not. Just in my shower. <laughs> well, that's just because, you know, they've gotten to shower there once. Mikey had teeth, <laughs> but then threw it out. You remember, do we, I thought we talked about this on the show, that Mikey, Mikey and his mom threw out his baby teeth because they smelled bad. Yeah. Oh, wow. I forgot about that. That's terrible, Mikey. It was a while back. I was like, I went to like, they helped my mom move. And I was like, what is this smell? And she's like, oh, those are your baby teeth. We kept them. And I was like, that's very weird. <laughs> she's like, no, it's not. We can rebuild baby you. <laughs> we have the technology. <laughs> we have the teeth knowledge. So she calls from the airport. And she's like, I'm flying to LA. I talked to Lestat. And they're just like, what, bitch? What? Like, that's exactly what we told you not to do. And she's like, I'll be fine. And then hangs up. <laughs> You're not my real vampire. And you never will be. <laughs> you know nothing about her or these, any of these people at all. That's why I had to fill in her backstory as one of the Mighty Ducks, because there was nothing else for us to go on. Right. So we cut to Lestat's house where he's listening to music in his coffin and he can't seem to concentrate and he wakes up <laughs> and it seems like there's nothing there. But then Marius is there. Yes. And Marius is just like, well, the fuck's up, my dude? It's been 200 years. Now you live in large. Show me your pad. And he's like, I'll show you all kinds of shit. So they go to the Sunset Strip and sit on his billboard. He's like, you left me for 200 years. And he's like, but I'm back now. And he's like, dad. Daddy. 
so they sit on the billboard and talk about essentially like, I want to live out of the coffin. Like, no, you can't. Why? Because. Yeah, there's no real reasons for any of this. This whole conversation makes no sense at all. It makes no (laughs) sense. And eventually Lestat gets kind of like butthurt about it. But he's like, well, also some older people wake up and have woken up and they want to talk to you. You can't hear her. And he's like, what? And then they like pause and it's really funny because with the fangs, they can't close their mouths completely. So they have they have their eyes closed, but then they're kind of they look just like fish, just kind of like like eyes closed, mouth agape, <laughs> just like Texas Day Brazil, just like Texas Day Brazil, <laughs> just drop it in my mouth, dump it all in me, dump the chimichurri all in me. Anyway, so he hears Akasha and pieces out even after marius is like don't go looking for her she killed the king she powerful as hell now and she's coming to the concert you should cancel it and he's like i'm not canceling it so he runs off to cry somewhere i guess have either of you ever been bitten so good that you killed your significant other so you could then like go after somebody else no uh because i don't live in a production of hamlet (laughs) also (laughs) i've never had anyone to kill to go after someone else also, you think I could overpower Jake? <laughs> like, <laughs> that'd be a tough kill. You would poison him like a like a real person. Yeah, that's what women do. That's true. Statistically, women to, do tend to poison more often. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, Todd, plenty of significant other has m- murdered someone to be with someone else. It's in the news all the time. I guess that's fair. Okay. That's why the Lifetime channel exists. Because when it's not Christmas, it's all about when we murder our significant others. I can't wait till we get Queen of the Dams episode of Snapped. <laughs> He sat on that throne for 700 years and did not even give me any attention. (laughs) Yeah, not at all. So I had to bite his neck in two. He did have rock hard abs. (laughs) Well, he was a statue. So, yeah, he did. I do like when we see the statue again, he's like still a statue, but he's just like, oh, like with a chunk out of his neck. Yeah, his neck is like ripped apart. She killed him because he was too much of a stoner. Stoner. (laughs) Get a job. Jesus. Let's just say that their marriage was on the rocks. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Anyway, she shows up at that vampire club in London and just kind of like belly dances her way through it. And she's like, by the way, I can kill all of you. So I'm gonna and just kills everybody (laughs) with her mind just makes them blow up. She goes full fire starter on their asses. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like, cause she like sets them on fire, like internal combustion t- type shit. I think you mean spontaneous combustion. <laughs> combustion. Oh yeah, they're internal not a car. Combustion <laughs> <of> the engines. <laughs> yeah, just a bunch of car engines. Like- yeah, but like spontaneous combustion. That was also something that I thought would be a bigger deal when I was a kid. Spontaneous combustion. Yeah. It's because they, they would show it on like unsolved mysteries all the time. Right. And when you grow up, you learn that like nightgowns used to be made of much more flammable fabric and people would fall asleep with cigarettes in their fingers. Yeah. So like it's not a real thing. Uh, unless no. you're at a vampire club and Aaliyah walks in, then you're going right. to spontaneously combust. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. When she said dust yourself off and try again, she meant you're ash powder now because <laughs> I have burned you. So she sees Lestat on TV and is just like, aha, that's where I shall go. So she walks out of the bar through the fire unharmed. We cut to a giant satellite dish in the desert where Lestat's like laying in the satellite dish like, I don't know why people are so mad about this concert. <laughs> he's the worst. Yeah, he's, he's gone full Jim Carrey and the cable guy. 
they wanted me dead and let them try because it's better to be dead than be alone. And it's like, just do touch grass. They can't with your bullshit. Dear Live Journal, it's better to be dead. <laughs> it's me, Lestat. <laughs> I'm just so alone. My pants so tight. <laughs> I once met a woman who never talked to me. She was a statue and I still love her. And she never wanted to be with me. She never wanted to make me into her Lestatue. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm just going to sit here writing my Draco Malfoy fan fiction. <laughs> He's definitely got a MySpace. You got MySpace, Live Journal. Yeah. He's like, I'm thinking about yep. putting a Lee in my top eight. <laughs> <laughs> His instant messenger away message is like, rather be dead because I'm so lonely. Be back yeah. in 15. <laughs> or just some weird Edgar Allan Poe quote. Like, yes, quote me about my life nevermore. Be back in 15 minutes. Yeah. He's just like hitting up random people, like first message A slash S slash L. ASL 200 <laughs> 270 male, yeah London <laughs> um, soon to be Death Valley come to the concert come to the concert uh, anyway so we cut to Jesse arriving on the Sunset Strip and a scalper tries to get her to buy tickets that scalper by the way the lead singer of course oh my god <laughs> That is a cameo right there. I love it. So as that's happening, there's a limo there with Lestat's manager. And he's like, okay, only two girls. How old are you? Do you like, and like, he's just picking up groupies out in the open. I'm like, you're bad at this. You are going to get charged with accessory to murder. <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, he has to know that Lestat is killing these people, right? Absolutely. He's the one cleaning up all the bear rugs or power washing the tile when Lestat is more considerate. Right. Money talks. Yeah, money talks. It says, I have the money to murder people. Arrest me. I'm a murderer. Yeah. This is the early 2000s. What do you guys think rich people did? I mean, definitely murdered people. But like <laughs> some of them also ended up on trial for it. Anyway, Jesse wrangles herself into being one of the girls. They get to the house. They send the the other girl home. I like uh, sexy Jesse. Sexy Jesse. I do love that dress. Mm -hmm. I feel like I could rock that dress. Yeah, you absolutely could. But the other girl gets in and she's like, oh my God, I'm your biggest fan. I came all the way from like, I don't know, Maine or some shit. No, she came from Tarzana, which is only like 20 minutes away. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> which is even That's funnier. fucking hilarious. It's, I didn't it's realize a joke that. Just for, just for the LA people. It's like North Hollywood and then further west. Oh, that's essentially. so funny. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tarzan is the valley, basically. It's <laughs> it's near where Karate Kid takes place. Oh wow! But Jesse just goes boo, boo, boo back. Uh, <laughs> I came all the way from Tarzana. How about you, London? London goth, I see. And I'm like, yeah, that's why she's got like a spooky tartan. But I'm into it. But that's like actual dialogue from this movie. Boo, yeah. boo back. That's like boo back, oof, not boo goof. hoo. I'm like, it was right there. Boo hoo was right there. <laughs> My favorite is he's like, you look like a Talamascan, which is like their secret society. And then the other girl's like, I'm Episcopalian. <laughs> I did think that was hilarious. Like this scene is very funny. And then Lestat tells his assistant to get the girl back to church or whatever. Yeah. I thought that get, was funny. Get thee to a nunnery. <laughs> she wasn't Ophelia. Hmm. <laughs> I think people always pick on Episcopalian because it sounds funny because there's a really funny 30 Rock joke where 
uh, Don Geist dies. Yeah. And they have to go to his funeral. And he's like, in a Six Sigma Episcopalian cryo freezing ceremony. <laughs> and then Tracy Jordan's like, who ever heard of anything so crazy? Episcopalian. <laughs> and it makes me laugh every time. As someone who was married in the Episcopalian church. My favorite version of that sort of thing is when people talk about pescatarians, like it's a religion. Yes. I love that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, come on. Vegans and pescatarians are more of a religion than most religions. I mean, I'm pretty sure our vows would be different if it was pescatarians. Isn't that only fish? You can only eat fish? Yeah. yeah. And no, thank you. I don't really like fish. I, mean, I don't eat seafood. There's some stuff I'll eat. But Jake does. <laughs> Jake's a big fan of fish. I won't make it. He has to like buy it other places. Although I do have the deep fryer now so I can deep fry catfish, which he has been wanting. <laughs> Paige <laughs> missed the metaphor, I guess. Cause... Oh, no, I I knew it. I just continued and I wanted to brag about my air fryer. <laughs> I like it when she continues to be serious. Yeah. But really, who hasn't re- tried to recruit you to veganism? Oh, my God. So many people try to recruit me to veganism. But you know what's better than being <laughs> vegan? Eating meat. Yeah. Texas Day Brazil. I'm not going to shame people for their choices. There are plenty of people who choose to be vegan and don't pester people about it. I haven't met a ton of them, but like they exist, I'm guessing. I'm sure there are a bunch of people who don't try to convert you to veganism, but you would never know because they don't talk about it, right? Yeah, that's well, that's the thing. And here's the thing. I can be a picky eater at times. So I respect that other people have, you know, their things. So I usually just say like, Hey, dietary, do you have dietary restrictions? Just tell me them so that we can both have a pleasant eating experience. Because yeah. <laughs> I would rather have that than have someone not be able to eat stuff or whatever. I once took a girl on a sushi date and she was a vegetarian. And so she had like a veggie roll and she did not tell me she was vegetarian. Like I was like, does sushi sound good? And she's like, yes. And we get there and she basically orders a vegetarian, like a cucumber roll. And then she's like, they don't have any other vegetarian option. I was like, yeah, I wasn't looking for that because... You said this was fine. You didn't tell me about your dietary restrictions. I'm going to have these five rolls now. I mean, I usually <laughs> look at the menu. That's my thing is like, hey, where would you like to go? Great. Let me take a look at the menu really quick. Yeah. Anyway, this is we are off top. So she returns Lestat's journal. He's like, oh, I've been looking for that. Did you read my diary? I hope you didn't read about that time I tried to get a handy on the school bus. I mean, I was in the high school band. That should happen all the time. Did I tell you that my mom one time, and it must have been when I went to college, like read my few <gasps> diaries that I had scattered around no, in my no. room? I didn't find out till much, much later. There's nothing scandalous in them. But like, I didn't find out till way later as an adult. I was like, yeah, I kept diaries. And my mom was like, I know I read them. Boring shit. <laughs> I was just like, <laughs> oh, that's okay. amazing. That's awesome. That your mom was like, oh, I raised you too well. Fucking <laughs> square. No, she was just like, yeah, it wasn't that interesting. I didn't write anything down because I didn't want proof of anything around. Plus the pages were stuck together. So like, <laughs> <laughs> tough. Anyway, she returns the journal and he's just like, oh, thank you. Uh, and she's like, I want you to show me, like, show me what it's like. Oh, and this is where she, like, cuts her tit, right? Yeah, she cuts her tit. Like, legit scratches down her chest with, like, a, um, I don't know, a pin or something. But, like, it draws blood. What I think is really funny is if you look over her shoulder, because she's at his house, if you look over her shoulder, he has a blood jacuzzi. (laughs) (laughs) I like that they went through all the trouble for, like, to have a blood jacuzzi, but don't do anything with it except for, like, it's just they over never, her shoulder. They, That's they so dumb. They never get in it. 
it's oh not he doesn't go in it with a kasha like it's never used it's just like a chocolate fountain you know it's a cool concept but like you never use it as much as you think but here's the thing it is either they had to go to all the trouble to color correct it after to make it look like blood or they filled a jacuzzi with fake blood <laughs> and either one of those is way too much effort for a jacuzzi you're never gonna use <laughs> fun fact actually they just shot this at peter teal's house and they didn't realize that it was a blood-filled jacuzzi <laughs> oh the Anyway, I would I would have been in it for some blood jacuzzi action, but could you imagine the smell though? Blood does not smell great when it sits. Dude, I can't imagine a worse thing than like hot blood, like hot, hot sticky blood. blood to like go bathe in. Well, and like when blood kind of gets old and starts to dry out, that's when it starts to smell kind of like high tide because it smells kind of briny. Ugh. Ugh. Is he chlorining that blood? How how is it not just constantly clogging clogging the jets? Well, when the blood goes into a jet, it goes pumped into the left ventricle, and then it gets pumped into the right ventricle, right and comes back out to the other jet. Oh, I'm taking my jacuzzi in for surgery, man. It's been fucking up recently. <laughs> no, never mind. I could have answered this question in my brain. I was going to ask if either of you watched the Hulk Hogan reality show where it was like House of Hogan, I think is what it was called, or no. like. Yes. He it was not on for very long. But did I watch the Hulk Hogan sex tape? <laughs> yes. Yes. I ate too much shrimp. I ate too much sushi, is what it is. <laughs> I shouldn't have had that sushi. His daughter, I believe it's Brooke, is gonna hook up with a guy in a jacuzzi and he's like don't get naked in the jacuzzi. You could wind up getting jerpies in there, <laughs> like jacuzzi herpes. And that was my first thought when I looked at the blood jacuzzi. And I was like, bloodborne pathogens. Yeah. I think that'd be more jacuzzititis. Jacuzzititis. Oh, wow. <laughs> so then they fly to Griffith Observatory and he he almost drops her, but then catches her. How ridiculous is that, though? Like if you fly someone to the overlook at the observatory and you just like, right. you get them all the way there and then drop them right before you land. Like, what the fuck are you doing? That's comedy. It's real bad. <laughs> Lestat just likes to leave them hanging. That's what it is. <laughs> he does suck on her boob a little bit, but that is just like, you want to know something? Come, I'll show you. And he like flies her to the park and straight up murders a lady on a bench. But he scares away another vampire. Yes, and takes his kill. Yeah, to then just kill that lady? Like, what is happening right now? Yeah, and I was just like, okay, well, now Jesse's an accessory to murder. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's, what are you doing? And he's like, do you want it? Of course you don't want it. And then we cut immediately, like, smash cut to the concert. Ooh, wah! And I was just like, are we really starting with Down With The Sickness? Yeah, we are. We were. I like the scene because of the CGI trucks pulling into the parking lot. The CGI trucks is really funny. The CGI crowd is also really funny because you funny. can see where they just like copy and pasted crowd. Yeah. There are very like clear squares in there if you look hard enough. Yeah. Yep. And I kept thinking of that video on YouTube and it's a super cut of people badly doing karaoke to down with the sickness. <laughs> and it's them badly doing the ooh ah, ah, ah part at the beginning. Oh, man. Oh, so bad. I remember the first time I heard that song on the radio and I just got so sad. I was like, <laughs> oh, man. I mean, here, here's the thing. I can get down with some down with the sickness. It it has a driving beat, but you can't you can't not admit that it's kind of ridiculous. Right. Todd, did you cry? Did you go? Ooh, 
wow, 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 wow. <laughs> no, the part that made me cry is like in the middle of it when he has like a full on flashback to when his mother was beating him as a child and he's yelling, yeah. literally, don't hit me, mommy, in the middle of this fucking metal song. And I'm like, oh, yeah. this is so performative and like for 13 year olds and it breaks my heart that this is like popular music see what i'm picturing right now do you remember the commercial from the 80s where there is a native american man picking up trash and he turns single to see some littering with the tears yeah, 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 yeah. it's todd except he's just like picking up old stained albums and then <laughs> just in like single tear so we kind of move through the crowd where we see that there's like a group of vampires that we're supposed to to know but have never been introduced to us they look really important they look important they look vaguely familiar but i guess the only place we would have seen them was in jesse's flashback but it's all blurry so we don't recognize them and we don't know their names one of them looks like lars yorick the drummer for metallica when he was younger it looks exactly yeah, like bit. that guy yeah but they look important we just don't know who they are and they're like we got to find jesse and i'm like wait how do they know jesse like what's happening <laughs> but then also her boss from the secret Secret Society is there, but also other vampires are there and everyone kind of rushes to the stage and they do a scan of the crowd and the vampires just completely stick out like a narc at a school. <laughs> like they just like are the most obvious. Well, because everyone's like dancing and like having a good time, which is impossible when you're listening to this kind of music. So the vampires are just like standing there, not dancing, staring at <laughs> Lestat on stage. Yeah. And his performance faces insane because he's like fanging it up and it's just weird yeah it's crazy and it goes on for way too long you have to watch way too much of this concert for anything to happen i thought this was the end yeah this seems like an ending scene the vampires rush the stage he ducks he stakes one with a microphone stand the great combat <laughs> where he ducks and they fly behind him and i was like these vampires are terrible yeah. <laughs> they can fly mikey but only in straight lines that's like a known yeah. thing Yep. Uh, Marius <laughs> snaps a guy's neck, which is pretty cool. Yeah. But then they all start lighting on fire and the crowd kind of takes off pandemonium. And Akasha shows up and snatches Lestat and they float up into the skies. Yeah. Meanwhile, that group of vampires that look important, but we don't know, snags Jesse in the crowd. We cut to a beach where Akasha has stopped with Lestat and she's basically like, we're lovers now. And he's like, I know we just met, but I'm fully in on this plan. <laughs> this is technically our second date. But girl, I'm going to put a vampire baby in you. Like he's yeah. all into it. He's, he's, he's going to dump all of his blood in her. Um, so they basically are like, our new reign. We're just going to kill the shit out of people. Like gang, gang, it's going to be great. So they go and have like a rose petal hot tub sex scene so which was in the trailer and i remember like seeing the trailer and being like this movie's gonna be so hot and then sitting through the rest of this movie to get to this and being like man this isn't even cool anymore <laughs> like i don't even care about the hot tub yeah for a movie that is essentially like one girl struggled to get one specific man to suck on her boob there's no <laughs> nudity in it which is wild to me yeah because there's nudity in interview right yeah. Interviews a hard R. Okay. So we cut to the Mojave Desert where Jessie's asleep in the mansion she left as a little girl and wakes up and her aunt, Aunt Maharet, is just like, by the way, we were the people that raised you. You're part of my family line, but you're human. And it's 
not explained enough or really at all. She's like, I stalk y'all. It keeps me connected to humanity. And I was like, really? What? I know. And then there's like that family tree like wall that like. That bleeds when she gets bit. For no reason. Like, why is it bleeding? I don't know. It's so weird and unexplained. I think those other vampires are like the ancient vampires. That like, Yeah. I assumed that as well. So meanwhile, Lestat wakes up in daylight and realizes he can walk around in the sunlight because he's had her blood. But he also realizes that like hella people are dead. And I don't know why he cares because we've seen him alone kill like four people in this movie. I don't know why he cares that there's so many people dead, but... <laughs> The movie seems to make it seem like he cares. But if they kill all the humans on Earth, who's going to buy his albums, Paige? <laughs> <laughs> Vampire Lestat in this book turned him into like a hero where he realizes humanity has value and stuff. Mm. But only when he wants to sell them albums. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in the movie, it's just like, well, if there's nobody around, who can worship my ego? Yeah. Also, it's- like, <laughs> this woman wants to be in charge? Yeah. And- well, and we cut back and forth between them and then we're back in the, the desert house. He's like, now that I'm with this lady, I want that one other boob that I didn't have yet. <laughs> At least keep her alive so I can get that other boob. <laughs> but we cut back to the beach and Akasha's like, we're going to set up our kingdom on Earth, but we got to do one thing first. We got to go bust some heads. And so they show up to the desert house. Yeah. They sort of like break up the whole conversation of like, you're a member of my family. I'm not really your aunt. I'm like your triple great grandma or some shit like that. Yeah. Yeah. But she busts in and is just like, fuck being good. I'm a bad bitch. I'm sick of you motherfuckers telling me how to live. Join me or die. And they're like, (laughs) no. So she's like, Lestat's down. And he's like, yeah. So she makes Lestat kill or seemingly kill Jesse. And I love that he's like, I don't care about that bitch. Yeah, I don't care. I care about that titty in my mouth, though. So he gets, like, a big old mouthful of titty meat. Yeah. So, like, what I don't get is, like, we've seen him bite many people of all genders, right? Yeah. And then he, like, only bites her on the titty. Like, Jesse. No, he kind of bites Akasha on the chest a little bit at one yeah. point. You just need to stop judging. Maybe he's just into it. True blood, they bite people everywhere, and it's wild. Right? Which is, like, that makes sense to me, though, because if you're a vampire, bite someone almost anywhere, they're going to bleed. Yeah. What I hate about this scene is that Akasha's like monologuing her evil plan. Yes. Like Bond villain style. And then she's like, Lestat, come have the equivalent of like a foot long sub while I monologue. Like, yeah. <laughs> this is not the appropriate time for dinner or lunch. I don't understand why this is happening at the moment. Yeah. It, he wanted a piece of that titty meat. And so he got it. And yeah. so then he comes back and she has him drink her blood out of her arm. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. She's like monologuing. Yeah. And she's like, oh, come eat this, this sandwich while I monologue. But then he won't stop. And while that's happening, the other people are just not listening to her monologue <laughs> where they're just like, if we try to bite her when she's, you know, drained, like that's when she's weakest. And I'm like, she's right there monologuing. Yeah. <laughs> like, if she wasn't fully talking right now, she could hear every word you're saying. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. And she can definitely see that you're not listening to her talking. <laughs> and you would think a vampire that is like all powerful so much so that she can spontaneously combust other vampires would have the power to be able to hear while she's speaking. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> whatever she doesn't no she's not a good listener (laughs) and maybe it's just because Lestat is still drinking and she like she's just lost too much blood and she no longer has the ability to hear while she's speaking so what you're saying is he's lost in the sauce and she's lost in the game yes yes so she kind of like flings him off 
And the rest of them kind of descend on her to try and bite her and drain her. And she lights a couple of them on fire. But then they kind of get the upper hand on her and Lestat tries to drink from her again. But before he can drink the last drop, because the last drop is going to kill whoever drinks it, Maharet steps in and drinks the last drop. Yeah. Then Akasha turns into stone, then an ash tornado, then a skeleton, but then kind of just turns into dust. Yeah, that effect takes legit a minute and 10 seconds. I yeah, timed and it, it looks terrible. It was awful. I hated it so much. Maharet also turns to stone, but she's like a marble statue, kind of like the way we saw them before. I did think it was funny that they go, oh, she drank the death drop or whatever they call it. Yeah. And I was like, what is this, RuPaul's Drag Race? <laughs> yes. More like licking it. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> but they were like, she's dead. And one guy goes, no, she's sleeping. And I was like, no, she's a statue. Like, what What actually happens to Maharet? Does she die? Is she just a statue? Like, No, she becomes the new queen of the damned. That's what I thought, too. Maybe she was the next oldest. I have no idea. No, she drank all her blood. She's got all her powers. Yeah, that's true. I would also say this movie was clearly setting up for what it thought would be like a sequel. Where they were like, clearly we're going to do another one of these. And then no. Uh, Because they leave so many things hanging as if there's going to be a sequel. Uh, But Lestat turns Jesse into a vampire. And we cut to the offices at the Secret Society place where David's reading an article that says Lestat concert drugs in the water. Yeah. And lo and behold, Lestat is there. But Jesse's there also, now a vampire. And David is just like, oh, so you're a vampire now. She's like, yeah, here's the journal. We don't need it. And he's like, what's it like? And she's like, do you want to find out? And he's like, no. And she's like, well, if you ever change your mind, bye. And they leave because I guess he and Jesse are boyfriend and girlfriend now. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Marius shows up and we just hear him say, hello, David. And we cut away from it. So we don't know if David's alive or dead. He makes him into a one of them. Vampire. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. We cut to Lestat and Jesse walking through the streets of London. And then we get a title card that says in memory of Aaliyah. And, and that's, that's the, the movie. movie. All right. So having seen the movie, having talked about the movie, what did you guys think of Queen of the Damned? Oh, it's it's a rough watch, man. It's bad. And when we get into fun facts, there's a lot of explanations for why this movie is bad. And it is 99% the studio's fault. I think if we can do this, we can do Interview with the Vampire. That's all I'm saying. I mean, this has much more like attacking and stuff. An Interview with the Vampire, I don't think is listed as horror anywhere. This is. We'll find out. I do like Interview. I prefer it definitely this. But as a vampire movie, it's very interesting. It's long, though. Uh, Interview with the Vampire is listed on Wikipedia as a gothic horror film. Okay, I'm down. I'm down to do Interview. I mean, it's not scary. This isn't scary either. This is fully a terrible movie, though. Like, it is not so bad it's good, and it's not watchable. Yeah, it's it's a rough watch. It falls into that, like, no man's land of, like, just terrible movie no one should see. It's terrible. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's rough. Uh, it does make me sad because I think Aaliyah really wanted it to be good, but... Well, she never got to see it, which is sad. I'm not saying it's good that she died, but, like... No, of course not. I, I hope that she, like, fully believed it was going to be this huge thing. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, me too. Uh, Me too. Yeah. I like talking about it more than watching it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because we got to talk about titty meat. That should be the name of my band, Titty Meat. Yeah. (laughs) I'd buy that t-shirt. Yeah. Yeah. Coming to the stage, Titty Meat. Yeah. Playing their single, Let Them Hang. Titty Meat. Titty Meat. Yeah. 
I like it. It's time for their other their second song, Areola Borealis. <laughs> I feel like ju- just to be pithy, it would be Areola Borealis. <laughs> and it's, it's just a song about somebody getting real excited watching Angel. <laughs> well, Paige, do you have some fun facts for us? I do, I do. Well, hit us with your fun facts. New Let's metal fun, fun facts. facts. Oh. oh, yeah, new metal. Oh. So Aaliyah is actually the first actor to be cast for this film. And also she's one of very, very few black female horror antagonists. She is one of a very short list to be essentially a horror villain. And in this movie, she is kind of Candyman-ish in that she only shows up for a little bit. Yeah. But her figure looms large over the film. Absolutely. So she was super excited about the movie. I mean, she is the tertitular meat character. (laughs) I mean, a little bit. But she fought to be in this movie because she was super fascinated with Egyptian mythology, which in the book, Akasha is Egyptian. And that's like a factor um, and was a huge fan of the book as well. But she died in a plane crash tragically right after principal photography was completed. But she hadn't done her ADR, as we kind of talked about earlier. Um, And they had to develop special vocal technology to make her brother's voice sound more what they believed to be like feminine presenting to complete the film. Um, they actually previously offered this role before Aaliyah actually got it to Halle Berry, Jada Pinkett Smith, Samantha Mumba, who I don't know if you remember Samantha Mumba at the time, uh, but she was a pop star and she had a hit song. And if I remember correctly, I hope I am not butchering this. Uh, let me double, triple check this. So she had a song. I mean, she had many songs, but the one at the time was a song called Baby Come On Over. I don't know if you remember it, but it's. Baby, come on over tonight. We can make it all right. Take a piece oh, of heard my that. heart yeah. and go from the start. And I loved that song at the time. I did not do it justice right now. but uh, <laughs> So they had offered it to Samantha Mumba, but also Jenna Dewan, as in Jenna Dewan Tatum, who like goes on to be married to Channing Tatum, doesn't really get a movie role until Step Up, and then they break up and she ends up doing other things. Um, but at the time, she was still an unknown. They also offered it to Rosario Dawson, oh, Vivica A. Wow. Fox, and Vanessa Williams. <laughs> so they what? offered it to like everybody, and Aaliyah really campaigned for it. That's how she got it. Now, Stuart Townsend's a different story because he had auditioned for it uh, along with a bunch of other people. They also offered it to Josh Hartnett, Heath Ledger, Wes Bentley, and Tom Cruise, uh, and all of them declined it. Sure, yeah. So they were they were on the prowl. They were looking for somebody. And this is kind of Stuart Townsend. His, it was his time. People thought he was going to be a big deal. This was back when he was still dating Charlize Theron yeah. for a little bit. And he had just been in or was about to be in League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. It's after this. That's 2003. It's after this? Yeah. 2003. Okay. Oh, that's a rough one, too. But he's already cast in it at this point. Yes. Yes. Because this movie and that movie ruin his leading man career. Absolutely they do. And Which is too bad because he's actually pretty good in League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. But his trajectory as an actor was almost very extremely different were it not for this movie and League of Extraordinary Gentlemen because the only reason he was able to take this movie was because he got fired from another movie. (gasps) He filmed for four days in 2001 as Aragorn in Fellowship of the Ring and was recast 
mid-production, but it was only because they thought he looked too young yeah. for the role. His performance wasn't bad. They were just like, ah, this isn't quite right. Yeah, he just looked too young. And Aragorn's supposed to be like a 90-year-old dude. I mean, not 90, like 45. He's supposed to be like 45. Right. And this movie, having had all those leading men turn it down, know about him because he was cast in Lord of the Rings. He was about to be cast for League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. So they figure they can snag him real quick and actually give him like a leading man role anyway and he'll take it yeah so he does but this movie and league of extraordinary gentlemen basically torpedo his career as a leading man because they're both bad back to back yeah so let's talk about why this movie's so bad (laughs) so warner brothers had optioned the first three vampire chronicles books which is Anne rice's series now the way options work is the studio pays a certain amount of money to own the sole rights to make a property within a certain amount of time. If they do not make anything within that amount of time, the rights then revert to the original owner. If they are in production during that amount of time and that time passes, then they are allowed to basically finish that production. Sometimes they have to do other contracting, but essentially they had purchased it for a period of like 20 years. So they had held this option for a long time. So they made Interview. It does extremely well. Yeah. Interview of the Vampire is a huge success. It gets nominated for Oscars. Yeah. Kristen Dunst wins a supporting actress, I think. She's great in it. I mean, like, it's a huge movie. But then they don't do anything else with the series for another seven years. And at which point their option starts to run out. So knowing that they were going to lose the option, they hired writers to condense Books two and three, The Vampire Lestat and Queen of the Damned, into one movie, titling it for the latter so that they could actually claim the option for all three of the books that they had purchased. This makes so much sense. Like, that's, yes. this is exactly why we have, like, three really bad Fantastic Four movies. Yes, yeah. that is exactly why we have bad Fantastic Four movies. And why we have, uh, I would say, disconnected Spider-Man movies yep. that then the last Spider-Man remedied in a beautifully, like, tear-inducing way. Yeah. Anyway, so Anne Rice, the author, voices her concerns and she's like, hey, I'm willing to work with you, uh, but the fans of my book and what I have heard from people is that they want a a movie of the second book. So like, why don't you make just make the second one? Like, let's talk about it. They refuse. They don't want to make it. They they are moving forward with their combined vision. Yeah. And she becomes vocally critical of it. And to this day is like, it's a horrible disappointment. And uh, she believes it mutilated her work. Her readers hate it. They basically kill any fan base for the movie because like they're not actually making her work. They're just kind of like bastardizing it. (laughs) Yeah, they're bastardizing it. And I mean, the studio refuses to cooperate with her and she's like, hey, we'll work it out option wise. But like, please don't do this. And they're like, fuck you. (laughs) So that's why the movie makes no sense for starters, because it's two books into one. It assumes that you've read both books while alienating anyone who would have. (laughs) And because they have to condense two whole books worth of story into an hour and 40 minutes, because that's how long this movie is. It's not even like give it two hours, I guess. Like and half of that hour and 40 minutes is new metal nonsense. Like they butcher the story and they churned it out to try and get it out as fast as possible. Yeah, this movie feels like it's too short, but it also feels way too long. 
at the yes, same time. Absolutely. Like, there's not much story, but there's way too much of stuff you don't care about. Yes. And like that's when I said at the beginning, it feels like you have not enough information, but way too much information at the same time. It's yeah. just you have too much information about the wrong things. Yeah. And you feel like you've been sitting through the movie forever because nothing has happened. But then it is also like not a long movie. It's it's a mess. Yeah, it's not fun to watch. No. Uh, so for the concert in Death Valley, 3,000 goths were recruited from Melbourne, Australia, nightclubs and on the internet and then driven in a fleet of buses to a quarry in Werribee, Australia. And that was their extras that the, then they just copy pasted. <laughs> like, But they had 3,000 extras? 3,000 extras, which is not as many as you would think for a crowd of that size. No, 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 no. I know, but that's still a lot of people to wrangle. Like, that's sort of impressive. Yeah. But they literally just copy and paste them, like, 20 times in this concert scene. Yeah. Well, and they do have to, like, wear their own clothes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that makes more sense. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, as we've kind of hinted at before, the singing voice of Lestat in the movie is supplied by Jonathan Davis of Corn, and he is credited with it. But... Due to contractual obligations and difficulties with the record companies, he was not allowed to sing on the soundtrack at all, like the one that they released to sell. And Mm. he had written five songs for the movie uh, with his co-writer Richard Gibbs and performed them in the movie. So when the soundtrack comes out, they actually instead are performed by Marilyn Manson, Chester Bennington of Linkin Park, David Draymond of Disturbed, Wayne Static of Static X, and Jay Gordon of Orgy. He was allowed to play instruments, but not sing on the album. Wow. Which is brutal. That that is brutal. (laughs) Like, kind of super disappointing. And to this day, you can't get, like, the original songs from the movie, basically. I bet that's because the soundtrack and his labels were different different labels yeah and like his his label would not let him perform yeah which is the same thing with like white christmas when we cover white christmas on romancing the pod where rosemary clooney's label wouldn't let her perform so it's her in the movie but you can't find a soundtrack with her on it yeah Uh, There's a little bit of extra controversy around this movie because in 2002, uh, a man named Alan Menzies in Scotland murdered one of his friends and claimed in court that Aaliyah's character, Queen Akasha, came to him in a vision and told him to do it. Oh, I don't think that's true. I don't think so either. But those are your fun facts. Well, thank you for those fun facts, Paige, even though the last one was super dark. Uh, Let's talk some box office. So what do you think the production budget for Queen of the Damned was in 2002? To be honest, it's probably not as high as you think because the effects are not good. Yeah, they're probably good for the day, right? Good for the day. But I also think that there's a lot of filming just in rented mansions that are just like not even redressed. Yeah. (laughs) Except for the blood jacuzzi. I bet that blood jacuzzi was expensive. Somebody embezzled a lot of money in this film. I'm going to say $65 million. Oh, okay. I mean, there's also not a lot of famous people in it. I'm going to go 40 mil. Okay, you're both a little bit high. It was actually $35 million. Okay. That makes sense. I believe it. But if you adjust that for inflation, that's $54.2 million. So you are both closer if you adjust for inflation. So this movie came out on February 22nd. 2002 and it was number one the weekend it came out john q was number two dragonfly was number three peter pan the return to neverland was number four and crossroads was number five what do you think queen of the damned made in its opening weekend i'm gonna say it's budget you think it made 35 million dollars mikey no i'm gonna say 20 okay 
Yeah, I say 15. Okay, Paige, you're way closer. It made $14.7 million in its opening weekend. and But again, it was number one. John Q made 12.4. So it was pretty mm-hmm. substantially number one by a few million dollars. The yeah. next weekend it was out, which is the weekend of March 1st, 2002. It dropped from number one to number six. Yeah. Oh, people immediately knew it was a bad movie. <laughs> yeah. It only brought in $5.9 million its next weekend. So it fell Oof. really hard, although it was yeah. in the theaters for 11 weeks. But what do you think it made total in its domestic box office run? I, I mean, I think it definitely makes its budget plus advertising back. I bet it makes 60. Okay. Mikey, what do you think? 50. Okay. This movie made 30.7, sorry, $30.3 million in the theaters. Oh, no. It did not make its budget back. It definitely didn't make budget plus marketing back. So it bombed. This movie did terribly in the theaters. And it didn't get an international release that I could find numbers on. And I can't see the whole market performance because movies around this time, it didn't track it unless they were like the bigger movies from the time. Mm -hmm. So I don't know what that was. So perhaps they made that money back in international and home market. But I doubt it. I doubt it. Because they probably spent total end to end 35 for the production of the movie and then about 30 to promote it. Here's what I'm curious about. Who owns the rights to Vampire Chronicles right now? Is that Anne Rice's trilogy? Yeah. She just passed. Yeah, she did. Yeah. Well, but she, I'm sure it was with a studio. Yeah. So AMC I'm- Networks actually owns the rights to it right now as of 2020. I bet they're workshopping a series. I bet they are, and that sounds fucking great. Yeah, I, I'd <laughs> like, be on board for that. I'd watch the shit out of that. Same. Yes. Yeah, down with that. Except I want it on HBO. Same. Honestly, I was kind of hoping HBO had it. But you know what? AMC did Mad Men. So I trust AMC. That's true. AMC mm-hmm. does good TV no, they sometimes. Did, they do stuff. So, Mikey, let's hit them with that scary scale. Scary scale listeners is a scale of how scary we found the film today. Our one example is Ghostbusters. Our 10 example is Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Page. Oh, this is a hard one for me, dog. This is a soft one for me because there's no sex in this movie. What are you talking about? In that rose petal you can see? (laughs) There's a lot of foreplay, no sex in this movie. That's a one for me too then. I figured, yeah, yeah, Mm -hmm. that makes sense. Yep, yep, It wasn't scary at all. The fact that it was made with this script is scary, but the movie itself is not scary. Yeah. So this week, Paige, you made us watch Queen of the Damned. What are you guys making us watch next week? Next week, we are watching Little Monsters from 2019 starring Lupita Nyong'o. I am very excited about it. Mike, you've already seen it. You liked it a lot. I loved this movie. I remember when this movie came out, I think we were doing the podcast at the time because Mikey asked if we could do it and it got shot down for, I can't remember why, but like- I don't know. This was before my time, so I'm not sure, but you guys also hadn't done a lot of zombie stuff before I came on. And so maybe it just wasn't the right time, but I love me some zombies, so I'm excited. Yeah, yeah. I'm excited to see it too because I remember Mikey like giving it like rave reviews when he saw it. So I'm looking forward to seeing it. Yeah. I, I, I like it a lot. It was really creative. I, I, I like the, the story arcs of the character. I'm not going to get into it. I'll get into it next week. Awesome. Mikey, do you have a review for us to read? Yeah. So whose review you going to read this week? <laughs> I'm going to read Crazy Star Wars Fanboy. Awesome. What does Crazy Star Wars Fanboy have to say? Five stars. Okay. And then the review goes on to say, good. Is that the whole thing? That's the whole great review that is amazing no notes brevity is the source of wit so guys that's true if you want to have mikey read your review of various lengths leave us a five-star review and we'll read it on the podcast
So, guys, if you like this show but want to hear this power thruple on another movie review show about romance and romantic comedies, check out Romancing the Pod, where Mikey, Paige, and I break down and make fun of romantic movies. It's a lot of fun, guys. Check it out. If you want to follow us on social, please do. We are at Horror Virgin or online at HorrorVirgin.com. If you want to follow us all individually, you can do that as well. Paige is at Paige Wesley on Twitter or Rampage Wesley everywhere else, including TikTok. TikTok. Mikey is at M Randolph 24 and I am at Todd J awesome. If you like the show so much and you want to help financially support it, please do by going to patreon.com slash horror virgin where you can get a lot of great levels and a lot of great stuff like bonus episodes, director's cut episodes where they're a little bit longer and you get them actually a day earlier mm-hmm, than the regular mm-hmm. feed drop. We do a lot of great things like listener requests and stuff like that. So guys check out yeah. the Patreon and help support the show. If you want to financially support me, but not Todd, just look me up on Venmo. If you can't financially support the show, that's understandable, that's fine, but if you want to hang out with us on the daily, join the Facebook group uh, at facebook.com slash group slash horror virgin. We also link it like once a week, so just find it there and join the awesome Facebook group. Literally, we're in there talking every day. It's awesome. And guys, we got a P.O. box, so if you want to send us some love letters or whatever you might send to a P.O. box, it's actually not a P.O. box. It's like a regular street address. It's pretty awesome. It's 6688 Nolensville Road, number 108-34, Brentwood, Tennessee, 37027. So send us some stuff. Yeah. And if you want to check out our Twitch stream, we're at twitch.tv slash Todd Awesome, where we will be playing horror video games. So if you have always wondered what it would be like to watch me get scared, you can now do that on Twitch while I play these horror games. It's twitch.tv slash Todd Awesome, guys. Check it out. It's a lot of fun for you. Not a lot of fun for me. This episode was brought to you by Nick, Nick B. B. Nick B, fun fact. Oh, yeah? Loves new metal. Oh, <laughs> Nick B. How could you do this to me specifically? <laughs> oh, I was going to say that he slept for like 100 years, but then when he came back, he was a fucking rock star. <laughs> <laughs> this episode also brought to you by Tia, and Tia's teenager is driving her crazy this week. So how specifically is Tia's teenager driving her crazy this week? Well, she's listening to new metal for one thing. Oh, that is the oh, worst. It's a gateway drug. It yeah, is yeah, a yeah. gateway drug, yes. This episode also brought to you by the letter Jeff, and Jeff wants you to check out his podcast, Kissing Jessica Jones, where each week they break down an episode of the Jessica Jones Netflix Marvel TV show or Agent Carter because they moved on to that series. So check out Kissing Jessica Jones on any of your favorite podcast apps. This episode also brought to you by Jonathan, but Jonathan has not sent me another spider video, so we are out of spider videos but Jonathan, I hope you're doing well in your exterminator business. And, uh, you know, you're staying clear of all those creepy, creepy, crawly spiders. Yeah, don't get caught in their web of lies. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. We now return you to another episode of... Uh, the, the Patreonicals. I love when I start the preamble for the Patreonicals. I always see Mikey like, oh, shit, I should have planned something for this. <laughs> I always see that on his face. Like, he forgot we do this every week. Yeah, manatees, not planeties. Last time, Most Evil Matthew sent nudes without consent of Kaylee. That's, I mean, he really is becoming the most evil. <laughs> it started out like a bit, like it was just like funny things that are sort of evil, but now he's just doing real evil shit. Yeah. Like biting manatee meat. Ooh, manatee meat. <laughs> It, the episode opens up, um, and Most Evil Matthew is carving up his manatee sushi because he Ugh. stole the manatee to eat it. 
And Kaylee is crying in the corner, and he's like, "Shut up, bitch." <laughs> oh my god, Mikey! No, Mikey! No, I don't have time to edit this though. So that's gonna—it's like that is what it is. Yeah. Oh, so the way you said it just re- reminded me of this one stupid sketch called Juggalo News Network, and <laughs> and they have a commercial for a fake soap opera called Shit's Fucked Up Hospital. <laughs> she's like, "I'm pregnant, and it's yours." Shut the fuck up, bitch! <laughs> <laughs> Fucking amazing. So <laughs> she's upset and said, "Why did you send my family my nudes?" He sent it to her family. Oh, he's no. the most evil. That is so evil. <laughs> and he it's was like, terrible. you'll never graduate community college. <laughs> <laughs> because of the nudes or just in general, because he doesn't believe in her. <laughs> because he doesn't believe in her. <laughs> anyway, cut to other people. Oh, <laughs> he's like the older brother from normal people. Is that that Irish couple show? Yes. That show made me cry. I watched that after like my breakup, the two breakups ago, and I was like, no. Mikey, no joke. I, I literally watched all of it from like seven last night until 1241. And you can look at my tweets. I even tweeted out, if you're wondering I why I'm crying at 1241 a.m., it's because I just watched all of normal people on Hulu. It's terribly sad. I'm almost done watching The Great, which I yeah. have binged through with similar speed. If you want to cry so much, you shit yourself and have to take a shower, watch normal people. Oh, I already did that, though. <laughs> Mikey, patrioticals, keep it going. I mean, definitely my fault that this happened. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, All right, you know what? Open. Noted, noted. I get it. That's it. This, this <laughs> one's on me. This one's on me. <laughs> Open up. You got Isaac. He's eating manatees in Chicago because he doesn't really have a place to live. Also, he kind of looks like Gollum now in my mind. Okay. What? Why? I sort of <laughs> like that, though. He just eats stuff. And then uh, <laughs> what happens is... Uh, Joey and Nathan and Sneaky Snake, professional wrestlers, they've been uh, patched up by Jennifer with a PH. She's a PhD in evilness. And so she like patches them up. So, because they're stabbed last week. So they're fine now. That's right. I remember the stabbings. So they beat up Isaac and Sneaky Snake bites him and they throw him into the uh, river with the manatees and they start attacking him. They're just like fucking laughing. They're like, uh huh, fucking Isaac. And then Dave was like, <laughs> Isaac Isaac spared me, so he dove in after him to save him, but we don't know what happens. And then um, Kate is in a coma, and she's attacked to a, she's attached to a bunch of monitors, and uh, Amy and uh, Scott and Wes are sitting around, and then Wes is like a ghost on his shoulder or whatever. He's like, I can go into her mind to save her. He's going to incept her while she's on the set of Coma Get Your Love? Oh. Yeah. But that's next <laughs> week. Ding, ding, oh, okay. Ding, next ding, week. Ding, ding. So Karoon's <laughs> running around. He's got his Wolverine powers. Uh, and Dreskel is on top of the Sears Tower, which is in Chicago. It is now. I thought you said Chicago wasn't architecturally significant. <laughs> I think you're right. So whatever. We're going to call it the Sears Tower. But you knew the Sears Tower was in Chicago, so that's some architectural of some significance most sears that i know are closed so yeah i once took an architectural boat tour in chicago and a couple made out really close to me and it made me uncomfortable (laughs) that's a long story i actually do think the sears tower has been renamed something but i don't know what it is Mm. it's the gemstone praise center (laughs) sorry that's just for righteous gemstone watchers (laughs) so aaron and danielle they they saw jennifer with a ph last week to get healed up their emotional trauma of the moon exploding and they're not sure what's going on, but they're in Chicago now too. And, uh, 
they stop and have a beef sandwich over at Gino's. Like, I know all the Chicago stuff. Look, check it out. Ooh, did you Google a lot of Chicago stuff? No. I've just been talking a lot of shit. People have been sending me a lot of DMs. <laughs> 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 and they're like, what do you want to do? And they're like, and uh, Danielle's like, I have a plan, Aaron. Do you believe in me? And she's like, yeah, not really. But well, I'm, you're like the last other month person. So, yeah, sure. And so, like, well, next week you'll find out what that is. <gasps> what? Oh. And... Um, Dreskel pulls a lever on the top of the Sears Tower and lightning strikes it. And then a monster arises. And it looks like that movie Sex Drive where the guy dresses up like a donut. <laughs> That's a very obscure reference. <laughs> but he's an actual donut. And his name is Shining Donut. And he thinks he's a hero, but he actually works for the villains. Uh-oh. The end? <laughs> I guess we'll have to find out next week if it really is the end and if Kate can find her one true love while she's in a coma on Coma Get Your Love on next week's episode of The, the Patreonicals. That's going to be it for us, you guys. I'm Paige. I'm Mikey. And I'm your whore virgin Todd. Keep it ooky spooky. Yeah. Have an amazing week. Bye. New metal nerds. <laughs> Fucking. Oh, go Say, blog skinny about it, bitch. Yeah. <laughs> Dear Live Journal, I fucking mm. hate new metal. Oh, new man. metal nerds.